This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Thank you, Lord, for the blessed hope that we have. We thank you, Lord, to kill the body is just to send it to heaven. And that's wonderful. And that's the blessed hope that you give us. Help us tonight, Lord, as we learn from your word, from the great things that you've done, that you don't want us to forget. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight, you know, we're just continuing on this theme and probably will be for a while because I just can't get over the miracle of two million DVDs being delivered into every Jewish home in Israel. Yeah, praise the Lord. Give the Lord a hand. Oh, that was so wonderful. You know, the Lord says, he, he said about those, he says, uh, you know, you can almost hear him saying when he said to the 10 lepers, he said to the one leper, he said, where are the nine? You know, where are those who were thanking me for the two million DVDs? Well, here we are, Lord, <laughs> right here. We're thanking the Lord tonight because I remember a couple of years ago when a measly 135,000 DVDs and I thought I was gonna be extradited to Israel and stand before the Sanhedrin there. You know, I mean, it was just, oh, my name and my picture and the post office's number one evil man in the earth and so forth. And, uh, and I thought, oh, 135,000 brought that. What's gonna happen with two million? And the Lord just calmed the waters and they went straight into every one of two million Jewish homes. What a miracle. So, we gotta talk about miracles. And if you turn in your Bibles, please, to Exodus chapter 16, verse one, Exodus 16, one. Last week, you remember, we talked about the great miracle of the parting of the Red Sea. And we always try in these miracles, when we're going through these miracles, to put ourselves like a little kid, because the Lord said, unless you become like little kid, you can't enter heaven. We try to put ourselves on the little kid as a little kid who's never seen this before, never heard this before, never read about this before, and we're right there and we're going, wow! And that's where we want to be right now as we look at Exodus 16.1. Exodus 16.1, follow along, please, as we look at the title of this message is Bread of Heaven. <laughs> what a term, Bread of Heaven. All right, here we go. 
And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. On the 15th day of the second month after their departing out of the land of Egypt, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Oh no, not again. And the children of Israel said unto them, would to God we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots, when we did eat bread to the full, for you've brought us forth into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then said the Lord unto Moses, behold, I will reign, and here's the title, Here's the title of our message. I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they will walk in my law or no. There's so much written about the manna here that we just wanna focus in on a few verses, so jump down now to verse 14. Verse 14, Exodus 16, 14. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing as small as the hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said one to another, it's manna, manna, for they wist not what it was. And Moses said unto them, this is the bread which the Lord hath given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord commanded. Gather of it every man according to his eating, an omer for every man according to the number of your persons. Take ye every man for them that are in his tents. And the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. And when they did meet it, one of the omer, he that gathered much had nothing over, and he that gathered little had no lack. They gathered every man according to his eating. Now jump down to verse, well, yeah, 19, 19, we are at 19, okay. Moses said, let no man leave of it till the morning, notwithstanding they hearken not unto Moses. Oh, you're kidding. But some of them left of it until the morning, and it bred worms, and it stank. And Moses was wrought with them. And they gathered it every morning, every man according to his eating. And when the sun waxed hot, it melted. Now go to verse 31, jump to verse 31, verse 31. And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna. And it was like coriander seed, white, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. And Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord commanded. Fill an omer to be kept for your generations that they may see the bread wherewith I have fed you in the wilderness when I brought you forth from the land of Egypt. And Moses said unto Aaron, take a pot and put an omer full of manna in it therein and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron laid it up before the testimony to be kept. And the children of Israel did eat manna 40 years until they came to a land inhabited. They did eat manna until they came into the borders of the land of Canaan. Now you just gotta go to one other place here, Numbers 11.7. Numbers 11.7, just to fill in more of this picture of exactly what was it? What was this? Numbers 11.7 gives us some more information. It's important, Numbers 11.7. Numbers 11.7. And the manna was as coriander seed, and the color thereof as the color of bedellium. And the people went about and gathered it and ground it in the mills and beat it in a mortar and baked it in pans and made cakes of it. And the taste of it was as the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. Okay, now again, I can't get over this, the miracle of, of, of all these DVDs. It's wonderful. 
And the number two million is sort of sticking as kind of significant. Brent was talking about the significance of 70, 70 people. Well, two million also has a kind of a significance. You know why? That was the number of the Jewish people about that came, that came out of Egypt in the great exodus. And so now we're gonna look at somewhere on miracles and we, and we continue now in the gospel according to Moses with another miracle, the miracle of the manna, which is what God called in verse Exodus 16.4, Exodus 16.4. God called this bread from heaven, bread from heaven. I just would like to see the bakeries in heaven making all this bread from heaven. So our purpose now today is to see when the manna was sent, that's important, when the manna was sent, why the manna was sent, why it was sent, so when and why, and what the manna was, what it was, and then how much manna there was, and then just the relevance, the relevance for us of the manna. What's it mean to us? Now, you might have expected that one, one of the greatest gifts that was ever given to Israel, this bread from heaven, that it, maybe it was sent at a time when Israel was so good, it was like a reward to them. But that's not the case. That's not the case. And from the first verse in Exodus 16, we can see that Israel has been away from Egypt for about six weeks so that whatever food they brought along for the trip, it's gone now. It's gone. And with each step of this journey, just to set the stage here, they are feeling and they are walking farther and farther away from food they're walking farther and farther away from food in Egypt, and everything is a far cry, what they're seeing. It's a far cry from the rich, fertile land, especially the best land. The La Jolla of Egypt was the land of Goshen, and it was just not looking like Goshen out here, Moses, and all they saw around them was just dry gulch, and it was desert, and they, what they saw and what they, they, they looked around, they said, this is a wilderness of death. Well, I thought it was called, what, the milk and honey. I don't see, this is a place of death. And so they thought back to Egypt, and they thought about Egypt, and they thought, well, this is a place of death. Egypt is a place of life. The wilderness there that we're in now is a place of death. There's no food here. But in Egypt, we saw food. They had no idea that God was about to transform the place of death into a place of life through the manna, through the manna. They had no idea. The only reason that the place of death would become a place of life is because of God's miracle, heaven-sent bread, heaven-sent manna. Now, it reminds us about, we think about that, it reminds us about how our lives are, are in a place of death. Our lives are like a place of death. Our lives are like this wilderness that they're in. They're a place of death until Jesus comes into our hearts. And then he comes in as the manna and transforms our lives into a place of life. And that's why the Lord Jesus Christ is called the bread from heaven. He called that. Now, as we read this here in Exodus 16, like, like I was reading it for you, I just wish there weren't verses like two and three in the Bible. And that, by the way, proves you that the Jewish people really didn't compose this book. They scribed it. Because if the Jewish people did, they would just say, I think we shouldn't put these two verses in here. This is not very good. No one will miss them. 
we just kind of removed this part about the murmuring and all these comments. Uh, we don't really know exactly if they said that. But, uh, you know, but no, 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 they're there. And we read them, and when we look up to we go, oh, no, here we go again. Because it turns out that verses 2 and 3 was, was a consensus. It was all the people. It said all the congregation. Everybody, this is so much for democracy. This is the majority against God. When it says in verse 2, the whole congregation, the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation, boy. And they blamed Moses, and they blamed Aaron, and they wished that God would have just killed them back in Egypt when they could have at least had a full stomach when they died. Because they said that in Egypt, they were in front of the flesh pots, you know, the beef stew, you know, the unlimited amount of bread. And they blamed Moses, and they blamed Aaron, and they blamed God for wanting to bring them out into the wilderness to kill them with hunger. Oh, I mean, imagine that after all that God had done for them in breaking the hand of Egypt that was holding them as slaves and, 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 and with those 10 miraculous plagues when they just sat back and just one after the other and then the parting of the Red Sea and the destruction of the Egyptian army and Pharaoh and all that like we saw last and now they blame God for wanting to kill them. I mean, this is unbelievable and they kind of have sort of like us, they have an impaired memory. They just fail to remember that Pharaoh was systematically killing them. Pharaoh was systematically exterminating them. He was working them to death, and he was killing all their male babies. And they blamed God and Moses and Aaron for wanting to kill them. And so this is the first point about the manna, which was when the manna was sent. This is the setting of when the manna was sent. The manna was sent by God when the whole congregation of Israel was blaspheming and blaming and sinning against God. That's when God sent the longest lasting miracle that was sent to Israel when all of Israel was sinning against the Lord. How about that? What's that a picture of? That's a picture of Romans 5.20. When sin abounded in the camp of Israel with all the murmuring, all the blaming against God, what happened? Grace did much more abound. It bounced higher. And that was the manna. Now, it's obvious that the manna was sent by God to provide food for Israel, but God had other reasons also for sending the manna. And God said what they were in verse four. In verse four, God said, then said the Lord unto Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven. Just those words. Rain bread from heaven for you. And for the people, you go out, you gather a certain rate every day that I may prove them whether they walk in my law or not. So the manna, the why of the manna was it was a test for Israel to see if the people would obey God. And God gave them certain commands, certain rules, certain instructions about the manna. For example, they were not to try to gather the manna on the Sabbath, which, of course, nobody ever did, but that's not true. Some of them did go out there and try to, and that angered God. God also told Israel, they told Israel, collect enough manna just to last overnight, just to last for the day. Don't try to keep some for the next day, because, and of course, they did, and then it bred you know, worms and stank. But the reason that God sent the manna was to teach Israel about Jehovah Jesus, and this is where it comes in for us. He wanted to teach them because the manna speaks 
of Jehovah Jesus. And this is where the great application comes to us. When we see what the manna was teaching, when we see when we see what the manna was illustrating about Jehovah Jesus, then we get it. And the Lord Jesus gave us this key to unlocking the mystery of the manna in John 6.51. In John 6.51, the Lord Jesus said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, speaking of his bread, he shall live forever. The bread that I will give is my flesh, which I'll give for the life of the world. See, this is the key. When he said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven, he's talking manna. He's talking about manna. And so he's speaking right out of Exodus 16.4. When he says, I am the living bread, Exodus 16.4 says, I will rain bread from heaven for you. So these two words in Exodus 16.4, for you, for you. It's almost like the two words that come from the cross. For you, for you. So bread is heaven is for you, and it's what the Lord Jesus is speaking about. Speaking about now, this is the second point of why the manna was sent. Ultimately, the manna was sent, of course, to keep the people by, but ultimately it was sent to teach the people about who their God is, who is their God, and who is Jehovah Jesus, which is the greatest question that anybody can ever ask, and and yet get the right answer. Whom do men say that I am? Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're a prophet. Who do you say that I am? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Oh, my flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my father, which is in heaven, he said to Peter. And the great, this, is, this is what reduced Paul down to his great background, and yet he came down to a point of nothing when he said, who art thou, Lord, in Acts 9? And then he said, I am Jesus, and life began for Paul and everything opened up, and that's the way it is with the manna. What does the manna teach us about God? Okay, here we go. When the Jewish people saw the manna, they were surprised. That's what it really is. They're surprised, and they began to speak to one another, and it kind of their talk kind of like this. Has anyone ever seen anything like this before? And, they, and, 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 and what they kept saying is, what is it? What is it? And so when you kind of sort of eavesdropped in on all the conversations of the Jewish people when they saw all this, anybody seen this? No, I haven't seen this. What's this kind of, whoa, I don't know. But the theme that you continually heard in corner and corner throughout the camp there are these three words, what is it? What is it? And those three words are the only three words that were consistently heard in their conversations. What is it? What is it? And you, do you know how you say what is it in Hebrew? Mana. <laughs> That's what mana means. What is it? It's the bread called, what is it? It's the what is it bread. And, and, and since that was what was heard over and over again, that became the name of it. What is it? Mana. What is it? That expresses how mystified Israel was with it. And that becomes what we're now going to consider about the manna. They said, what is it? And we're just going to turn turn two words around in this message, and we're going to say what it is, <laughs> what it is. Okay, now, we see always with the manna, first thing we always see about the manna is in verse 14, verse 14, it talks about the dew. And when the dew that lay was gone up, behold, upon the face of the wilderness, there lay a small round thing. <laughs> That's what they call it, a small round thing. And we again see, see this in Numbers eleven nine, 9, we just read, Numbers eleven nine. 9, 
And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. The manna never came without the dew. The dew was always with the manna. It was always there. Now, the dew in scriptures, it speaks about God. It's the spirit of God. It's a symbol for the spirit of God. He said, God said in Hosea 14, 5, I will be as the dew unto Israel. I will be as the dew unto Israel. So, you know, this is, dew is really important out in this part of the, the world because it doesn't rain every day. And yet, the plants that are there, they live there as they live here because of the dew. Because of the dew. The dew carries the waters to the plants every day. And so God said in Isaiah 44.3, Isaiah 44.3, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon thine offspring. So he says in Hosea 14.5, he says, Hosea 14.5, I will be as the dew unto Israel. And then he says, I will pour my spirit there. And that's going to cause growth. The manna only came with the dew. And the dew covered the manna. And just like it says in verse 14, when, when the dew was gone, oh, there's the manna. So the, the dew kind of covers the manna, and then all of a sudden it appears. And when the dew covered the manna, then the dew evaporated, and it revealed the, it revealed the manna that the dew was covering. Kind of like announcing, kind of the dew is sort of like an announcer that says, now here I'm going to present to you, the dew is speaking, here I'm going to present to you the manna. And then it evaporates. So the dew is like the Holy Spirit. And the manna is like the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the dew evaporates, it reveals the manna. And that's a picture of the work of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit reveals the Lord Jesus Christ. We think that we discovered who the Lord Jesus Christ is. No, 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 no. That was the second question in Isaiah 53, 1. The first one is, oh, who discovered? Who hath believed our report? No, no, no. Let's get a little more specific. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? To whom was he revealed? That's the issue. We didn't discover on our own who the Lord Jesus Christ is. It was the Holy Spirit who revealed it to us, which is what I was referring to earlier when I said, that he said to Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And this verse clarifies it when you see it in, in, in 2 Corinthians 3.17, 2 Corinthians 3.17, where it says, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Everything is by the Spirit of the Lord. We see who the Lord Jesus Christ is by the Spirit of the Lord. We, As we see, we are changed by the Spirit of the Lord. We only see the Lord Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit reveals him to us, and that's what he said in John 16, 12, John 16, 12, where the Lord said, I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. He will show you things to come. See, he will guide, he said, many things to show you, but the spirit of truth is gonna show you. So the picture of the dew, unveiling the manna is a picture of the Holy Spirit, 
unveiling the Lord Jesus Christ. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.